Welcome everyone to the Make My Day podcast. My name is Luke Capriti and I'm joined by our best friend and maker, George Lahoff, and the wonderful, marvelous Winston Moy. Um, we're ready and raring to talk shop today, in particular AI and some 3D printing. George, how are you doing over there? I'm doing, I'm a little congested today. I think Winston has too just been coughing up. I think allergies <laughs> came a little early this year, but, but I've been busy in the shop um, and kind of getting back into the swing of things more and more. And this week, because I'm a little congested, it slowed me down a little, which was kind of a shame. But, um, you know, just kind of enjoying making again, you know. How about, how about you, Winston? I think I'm in the same boat as you. California weather lately has been, it reminds me a lot of New Jersey. Just <laughs> a little bit of rain every week. So oh, no. everything is growing super well, which is good, but also bad for my allergies. Um, but the good thing is I got some uh, some voice recording for a video done like last week before this really got bad for me. Nice. So uh, I can sit back after this podcast and just do some editing and not talk anymore. How about you, Luke? What's um, new with you? So for me, we just got our electric panel upgraded. So we went from 100 amps to 200 amps. That was a big project we've oh, nice. been waiting to do. So um, I'm super excited about that because I added four new outlets into my one outlet garage. Oh, so, wow. Nice. I mean, I'm super amped up about that. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> um, nice. But no, seriously, there is an outlet now for the CNC, an outlet for dedicated for the CNC, dedicated for the shop vac. Um, and you know, what other ancillary tools I want to use. So that was like a huge infrastructure, um, upgrade for the whole house, but it does, you know, directly benefit the garage. Uh, luckily for me, I have not been hit by those allergies yet, <laughs> but I'm very hopeful. Like how Winston, you were saying things growing, our backyard is a mess and I'm very, very much trying to get us a green backyard this spring. So nice. let's, let's hope that some of that California, um, you know, help will come <laughs> our way, but we'll see. So you want to get right into it, yeah. George? Yeah, I might as well. You know, I got an early, <laughs> early stop today, unfortunately. But um, we were all kind of talking about, well, we're all kind of geared up on all the new 3D printers coming out anyways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Luke, your teacher and a lot of your students have been asking, you know, how, how, do, how do you get into 3D printing? How do you get started? Mm -hmm. um, so we figured maybe we can kind of touch base on, you know, how any of us have, you know, guys are 3d printing or if you want like another machine or something like that whatever is like easiest um i can kind of start a little bit because it i've kind of had like a little bit of a journey 3d printing and i feel like i would have actually done it differently based on how 3d printers are today versus when i got started like three or four years ago whatever it was right so back then um you know, pr printers were no nearly nowhere near as advanced as they are now, like auto leveling, cameras, all that kind of stuff. If you wanted that, you had to pay thousands, right? Yeah. So I remember just because I wanted to get like learn about it, I got a Chinese hundred less than hundred dollar printer that uh, came with like every little piece like in bags. There was no like preassembled anything, and I think it took like eight to ten hours. To, to kind of put it together, which is a lot from like any type of assembly of a printer, right? Mm -hmm. um, now, now I know those were so dangerous, like those burnt down houses and stuff, those like level of printers, right? Because they came from like China, they didn't have any type of power management. Like you could oh, see man. horror stories that it actually burnt down houses because 
um, the extruder would just keep taking in current and he, you know, get hotter and hotter and hotter and it would just start a fire. And if you weren't around, if you let it printing overnight, you know, you could, you could like literally burn down your house. So, um, you know, started with that, uh, eventually like made money off that, then was able to step it up to, um, I think my Ender threes were the next one, which I, you know, those were like a good middle printer. Um, and they're still okay, right? Yeah, I was gonna say, you know, looking behind you, it's like there's an army of 3D printers, but they they are okay. They're getting better and better. They are what I would suggest to anybody just getting into it. Mm-hmm. Like a you want like a good, decent, you know, spend a couple hundred bucks. They're like two hundred dollars now for those. Yeah. You know, that's like really cheap. When I bought them, they were like four hundred, I think, or something like that. So those are like you, you don't want to pay the thousand dollar price for like something great right now. You can kind of get started with that. But if you can afford it and you want to, uh, I kind of go back and forth. I want to hear you guys' opinion mm-hmm. because like 3D printing, like if, if I think it's important for everybody to understand a machine, like everything that go, can go wrong and how to fix it. Right. I've always said that, but like the printers that are, are like, if you can afford a thousand dollar printer today, they are so like in tuned, right? Yeah. I just ordered the Bamboo Labs, which we were talking about before, and I think it has a LiDAR sensor on it, right? So that, that that's like the sensor they put on cars. self-driving cars, right? Yeah. Like yeah. so that they know they're not gonna have a collision. So, so that they use a LiDAR to make sure where like the bed inconsistencies are so that it could print a perfect layer every time. And it runs that LiDAR before every print and it scans to see if you have a like a nest so that the printer went wrong somewhere and um, they sell pre-configured nozzles, which some people might not, might not like, but if like, there's something a lot of people don't know about replacement nozzles, like the brass ones, you can get these like little brass replacement nozzles. There is a lot of knockoffs out there and you can't tell the difference. So those will clog up within like a print without you knowing about it. If you're just trying to get like a cheap one off Amazon. So I kind of liked that, you know, it's like, it's more, it's way more expensive. It's like 10 or 15 bucks for like their printer nozzle assembly, but you just take it, you swap it out and in and you don't have to worry about it. Then it repositions. Right. So like, if you're trying to do like a business or if you're trying to just like print and not having to worry about fixing it, I'm kind of really looking forward to it. Cause now I'm at that stage where like, I've kind of gone through the steps of like really beginner printer to intermediate printer to now I'm, I, I paid the price for one that I think like I won't have to worry as much anymore. And I could just print it and be like, you know, I can meet this job on time because I didn't have to deal with my printer being down for a day and stuff like that. So going right along with what you're saying with the extruder, George, what I'm hearing is that you're going to pay for the quality over like, yeah. oh, I could get 10 of these extruder replacements for the same price of one. But the frustration, waste of time, all that kind of stuff is, you know, it's not worth your time or frustration, right? Or stress. And, and quality too. Mm-hmm. Like the, the, so the, the new Prusa I was taking a look at today, they are adding like a giant gear inside of their extruder nozzle. Um, and they are, I forgot what the technology was, but um, like when you look at 3D printed, there's like very faint lines based off like the gears that rub against the, like the actual filament as it's printing. They've changed that completely so that it's completely smooth with the print. And it's just like that much nicer quality for a thousand dollar price point, which a lot of people will pay these days for, for 
being able to create right whatever is on their mind yeah but going along with that like you are a maker you're you know detail oriented and all that i would say for the most part somebody who's a maker is that type of person mm -hmm. but I, it's cool that we have this as a topic because just yesterday i was talking to somebody at school who they heard that our 3d printers were running in the classroom they're like hey you know can you tell me more about this i've always been so oh, curious awesome. about them and i'm like yeah sure like come check it out and the kids were really interested in what's called the Pythagoras cup or the greedy cup. And there was one on YouTube called the devious greedy cup. And they wanted to kind of like understand it more. So I was like, all right, there's some physics principles in there and stuff. So we'll go ahead and print it out. And a lot of teachers, they heard it. So they came in and this one guy in particular, of course, <laughs> sorry about that. Um, Maui's real excited about the printer. Uh, but anyway, the um, guy was asking us saying, or asking me, can I get a printer for only a couple hundred dollars that would print out a few awards? So he's part of um, a rotary club near here and they give out different awards if people donate or, you know, let them use different things. And he was saying that would be really neat to be able to customize these awards that will show off like, Hey, you know, Winston, we could add your logo to it or George, you know, you love Ruby. We'll put like a paw print on it. And so he thought that this, this was like such a cool idea that, that he really could cool. learn 3D modeling, simple stuff, you know, text, maybe a, a gear, the Rotary Club um, logo, and then maybe print it. And over time, their awards budget would then drop off and their lead time would drop off. So when they go to maybe a banquet or something, there wouldn't be this wait. They could have something ready and raring to go. And I just thought that was kind of neat when he realized and like saw it in front of him. He just wanted something that got him started and he wants that lack of frustration and stress. So I think he was someone who'd be like, yeah, I'll spend $10 on a new filament or a new um, extruder and oh, 20 bucks for some filament that'll get us, you know, I don't know, 50 or maybe even more little awards or plaques. It's just cool. Like hearing you, you're already yeah. focused in, in the weeds of it. But when you hear people who are new to it, they just want something where they can drag and drop or press play and it goes. Um, they aren't as concerned with the $10 versus $5 versus $2. They'll go if it's $10. Interesting. It's not that magnitude up from $10 to $100 or $100 to $1,000. So I don't know. It's just when you think about it, it's cool. Like I was talking to somebody who's brand new and now I'm talking to somebody who's like, way into it knows all the new printers and details of them um so i'm just trying to connect Funny is that, that huh? yeah. like it's, it's a crazy thing to see the kind of different generations yeah of, and of how that kind of turns out and you already could hear that he was older than us <laughs> by the way he's just asking about it he, he was probably like 50 years old i would oh, say oh no i had no idea gotcha. yeah oh, but cool. yeah he definitely generationally he wasn't even thinking about the complexities of what you could do with it he just wanted to be able to hmm. kind of press play Almost like exactly. Amazon, hey, two two days later, I'll get this thing. Two hours later, or you know, a, a few hours later, I will get the award I wanted. Um, so yeah, it's just cool how others are considering using these things. Oh, and, for sure. I know I'm really torn about this from, <laughs> from multiple different uh, perspectives. Like on one hand, like if I'm imagining myself as a teacher, I see like, Oh, if I have a printer and 50% of the time, like the print comes off the bed and it turns into a giant pile of spaghetti, that's, that's a loss of time. 
which corresponds to money, which corresponds to educational opportunity. And so from that perspective in a classroom, I want to get the most reliable thing I can. Um, but like while the technology is still somewhat approachable, like it's also a great opportunity for a kid to like buy a cheap printer and get his hands on it, take it apart and actually learn how it works. It reminds me a lot of the like kind of like what I perceive as like the golden years of like computers, like when you could yeah. build your own desktop PC, you could buy your parts, learn how to upgrade it. And now we're getting to the point where like, like the, the CPU is soldered to the motherboard and you can't change as many things. And like, I think, I feel like the next generation from here on out is going to be like, oh, a computer, that's just a, like a black box you buy, you don't take it apart and it just either works or it doesn't work and you just replace it. And like, they're going to miss that opportunity of like, oh, I'm going to like upgrade the memory or something. Yeah. And like, as we, as like these devices get more and more streamlined and advanced, like there's a learning opportunity that fades, but also like that's also kind of how it becomes mainstream, right? Like you don't have to worry about it. You don't think about it. Like as electric cars come around, like you're not going to be messing around with a carburetor or anything. No, you're like, right. It, it's just, there's, there's fewer and fewer things that you have to worry about. So on the one hand, like I, I think I would be sad if like kids didn't get an opportunity to like understand how it works. But at the same time, uh, as a, teacher luke i think you would probably want something that works every time yeah so uh, coming at this from both ends like maybe just at home if like you're inspired by what you saw in school you get a little more hands-on you get something that's a little more customizable a little lower end maybe you build it yourself um and i think there's a right now there's still a valid uh situation or a decision tree where you could go one way or the other in terms of budget in terms of like how polished the experience is um but i don't know how much longer that's going to last as like like these manufacturers step it up and like it just ships out of the box you plug it in and it works yeah and like how you're saying winston that now we're gonna have a new standard that if somebody's mm -hmm. putting lidar technology in there you know every company's like oh no now we need to do that a lot we, of them are doing it now right a lot of them are they're all so jumping on board it's yeah. gonna get it's gonna progress to what winston's saying like that much faster that well if one person does it we're all gonna have to catch up to that and they're always one-upping each other but what i'm hopeful for like hearing what you said winston is that there will be at least one company if not more that sees that value and says, wait, we want kids, students, or even you know adults to recognize there are the different components. And if you're going for speed, maybe this is the part that you upgrade. If you're going for quality or um, surface finish, here are the better extruders. And we want people to know where to tinker, to be the next engineer, to come up with the next 3D printer um, that we're going to then all want to use. So I, I'm hoping... You know how like Nokia, I think it was, or Motorola, they wanted to make their phones kind of like the brick that we see as an iPhone. But if you wanted a better camera, mm -hmm. you could upgrade the lens. Or if you wanted a longer storage or battery life, you could do a bigger battery. Like I'm hopeful that we get to that point where there are things that, like, like all the, yes, modules. That's what I'm hopeful for. Um, but that the module isn't three things stacked on top of each other. It truly is the component like a camera not the camera the flash and the um i don't know 
CPU, GPU, whatever, you know, like I, I want it to be just the lens or just the battery and not multiple things so that we can kind of tinker with it and understand it. Like Legos in a way, right? You don't have your Legos pre-assembled. You want them to be bricks and kids can then play and be creative with it. Maybe if there's a way that they can kind of um, mesh that idea of Legos for a 3D printer. Um, I don't know. Two thoughts. Yeah. Um, one, uh, on that, uh, uh, train of thought actually just remembered, um, there's the framework company or the framework laptop, mm -hmm. and it's a modular laptop that you can buy a chassis for, buy a motherboard for. Um, and so you could actually, um, install like USB ports or HDMI ports and configure a laptop chassis however you want. It's a little bit more premium in terms of price, but hmm. there is a company out there that sees value in giving you that flexibility. Um, the other thing that I, I think as like hands-on makers is that we shouldn't also forget that uh, software plays a big role exactly. in terms of like the learning experience and how you can tune things. So even though like a lot of the, the physics and the mechanics of things may become more opaque to us as the technology evolves, um, like there's still a lot of uh, value in like digging into software or developing it to show people and teach people how to use options. Um, I think like, for example, how Cura does it, the 3D printer slicer. I don't know if it's the best way, but they give you like, do I want the beginner approach? Do I want the intermediate approach or the advanced approach? And it shows you more and more options as you're ready to to dive into them and start fiddling with digital knobs and sliders. So um, I think that's another avenue for like, just as the physical product experience matures for people to still kind of understand some of the intricacies of how things work. Yeah, that's a so, really good point. So based off that, like the software portion and like, like you mentioned, like soon people aren't going to be working on like carburetors and, and cars and stuff like that. I have like a prediction and I think this is going to happen way sooner. Like, like within five years or something, maybe sooner than that, that like Cura and all these slicing softwares and eventually like the 3D printers will get integrated and like other machines like this will all be like learning, like all using this kind of, and I know we'll talk about AI and a different thing, but just want to throw this out there. Like they'll all be learning off of everybody's prints and like mm -hmm. the feedback of how the print was so that it will optimize and therefore you won't have to make that option and i think soon like very soon we're not going to have to be making models anymore and i think people are going to want to to make like their very specific um you know, touches on everything but a lot of people i found out recently are using chat gpt to write code for making simulations and like augmented and mixed reality evidently so they'll say create this environment for me it'll pop out g-code or whatever the code is in um uh, whatever the software is i forgot right now for animating and, right and uh no in um uh, what's the software winston you guys developed at the the lab back in the day unity yes unity mm -hmm. yeah um so It'll pop out the code. You'll you'll try it out, you'll, and you might go in there and, and tweak it, right? Like, oh, it's not perfect, but you save hours because this thing like automatically created what you asked it to. I think, I really do think people are going to be like creators in the sense that I want to make this thing, 
and I'm going to use a tool that is now AI instead of having to like spend the time myself, which is a tool, right? The, the programming is a tool more so than the creator part that I envision this. Let's see if it comes out. Okay. I want to tweak this, this, and this, and that is now my creation. And I don't know if I hate or love it. Honestly, I, I like the idea that that can be a tool, um, where I want to now 3d print this thing, you know, okay, let me see what the model looks like. Okay. Change this. Maybe I go in. I, I think you, I don't want people to lose the fact of how to code, how to model, because to get it exactly right, I think you'll always have to do like at the very least, like the last 10% type of thing. I don't know. And then you print it and the printer, I think will eventually have an AI function to it where based off all those like expert settings you're talking about, Winston, it'll scan and know if it met what it was supposed to. And it'll keep fine tuning and fine tuning and fine tuning until it will eventually like as a whole ecosystem of 3D printers out there know the best settings for the models and like the setup. I I, I think we're going to get there one day. And I think it's going to be here a lot sooner than like we think. And I think like making things is going to look so different that we have, we can't even envision it right now or we can kind of see like one step into the future. But like, just imagine that's like within five years, right? That's yeah. kind of nuts. Yeah. It's kind of nuts. I, I, Never thought of it that way, George. That is a really interesting outlook or perspective of it that it really becomes how well can you communicate to the AI mm -hmm. of what you're looking for. Um, as you were talking, I'm thinking like, yeah, maybe they could show me the shapes that I'm looking for, but the sizes of things. I wonder how detailed it would get. Like, would I That's have to then point. give it a scale? Um, because if I say a soccer ball, yeah, it could maybe go and find the dimensions of a soccer ball, but... Is it giving me a model at that proper size or is it something that I still That's need? That's your last 10%. You right. go in and say, well, this part's not, you know, like yeah. I gotta scale that part down. I don't like how, or, or, or and, and this might not work for like everybody, but I think like the, the buried to entry is going to mm -hmm. be so little for some people that are just like, I can't figure out fusion. Like I can't, like I, I'm never going to learn. I need to hire somebody to make this model for me. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to go away for a lot of people. I agree. And that's where when I was kind of like debating a lot of this stuff with, you know, is chat GPT a good thing or bad thing, right? The discussion that everybody has, oh, it's going to ruin the world or it's going to make the world better. Um, the one thing like I kind of fall back to is that there's so many people out there who don't have the same resources, right? And so now with this, like you said, lowering the barrier to entry into mm -hmm. the maker world, there's people who probably have better ideas than people who already are in this world, this community of creators. And now they can say, this is what I want. And then we all get to see and be like, wow, that is awesome. But we wouldn't have seen it if ChatGP wasn't there. Exactly. Um, so that's where I'm very hopeful that, yeah, there'll be so much production from so many different people. Sooner or later, people will say like, oh, I'm not getting the benefit that I wanted from it. I thought I wanted to be a maker, like all that. And then they'll kind of like uh, take themselves out of the game, right? They won't continue to produce. And so then we'll start getting like refined models or refined environments, and it will be higher quality parts. But in the beginning, like around here, it's the explosion. It's the big bang. Like everything's yeah. thrown out into the universe. And then it's like, ah, oh, that one looks good. This one doesn't. Let's keep going in that direction. Um, so yeah, I, I've heard people using that write a program and um, make all these Excel yeah. scripts and stuff. And it's like, wow, it can do so many cool, cool things and that 
Within I, seconds. I know. I would have had to worry about watching YouTube <laughs> videos for a day or two. Just just understand it. Then go ahead and write it. But yeah. I I really wonder how younger people will use it. Because what I find now interesting is that, see, in our generation, we knew before the internet um, and then as the internet was being developed. So we've gotten to see a lot of different levels. Whereas I get to see the kids like, Either they are at this point where they've heard of ChatGP and used it, or there are some kids who have not heard about it. Like they don't understand AI. And that's hard for me to grasp and understand that. Like, will those kids be left behind? Like I'm talking, you're not even trying out this amazing technology, but then there's people like my parents who are like, I'm never going on there. I I don't want to use this. Um, I don't understand it. And it's a thing that it's not necessarily understandable. Like just go in there like Google or like the internet. It really feels like a new internet almost. Like like that level of technology. And yeah, I just, I don't know where it's going to take us, but it seems like it's, it seems like it's going to be scary, but at the same time, like really, really cool stuff coming out. I know I can't even begin to like, think about where this could lead but i'm just thinking about even looking back at my own maker journey like how things could have changed i remember uh like back when like arduino was a big thing like i wasn't uh i didn't consider myself a great programmer but i I did a small project here or there with some electronics with some servos but at the end of the day like i was still limited by like oh i don't want to like learn about like wireless networking or something or how to do this or that and trying to imagine myself with the resources of like an AI chatbot to like teach me like, Hey, how do I make this kind of circuit? Or how do I like, what code do I need to make this switch do that? How many doors would that have opened for me? And maybe I wouldn't be in the same uh, area of the maker world as I am today. Um, Just by having that knowledge and know-how and have kind of like a guide or a teacher to show me these topics that I knew nothing about and it wasn't a part of the curriculum in school. So um, I think there's, there's a lot of potential. See, I like the way you just said that Winston, because I don't think I've heard anybody say it like that. Teach me how to do it. Like people are using it to, to do it, right? Like, Hey, make this server for me. I like the way you're saying it. Cause if it walked you through, okay, this is like the piece of code and this, and it actually teaches you exactly what you need in the moment that's really smart and you're not losing like that piece of okay i understand what i've created versus something's just been created i'm using a piece part and i think both parts are fine like say you're trying to you you know just create a a product or a package of something like you necessarily don't want to become a server creating expert or like that's not really on your mind like oh i really want to learn how to make servers no you just want that end result that that's one piece part of and you know, I you think of it from like an engineering perspective, like you subcontract out so many piece parts that like you don't know how that works. You have that contractor, that contractor, subcontractor is now your AI or it'd be great. And I don't know. I think this maybe it can do that. Maybe it can teach you that what you want to learn so that you're not losing that that part and that learning process. So the thing about ChatGPT that makes it so great beyond like just give me the answer is that you can also ask it why. 
and it'll like give you like if you ask it hard enough it'll give you like sources or books oh. of where it got the information from so it's kind of like wikipedia right you can go to the end and see what the sources are but you can also ask like chat gpt hey you wrote this function for me why are these inputs the way they are uh, what is it doing inside this function and what's the output and so you could ask it to just give you more clarity if you want it if you are willing to get more than just the answer and put it down on your homework um, if you don't understand something you could actually use it to like help you understand deeper hmm. so now and that's also another good check right because like sometimes these things are wrong and you've yeah. got to like dig a little deeper to be like oh it's looking at this like the underlying formula is wrong or something and so it's it's always good to interrogate to push back and to dig a little deeper so it really becomes how good are you at communicating and how um well can you ask questions right like can you find where you've you know what is it like where you have lost that connection or the understanding mm -hmm. of how it worked and then yeah can you can you ask the right question? If you don't ask the right question, can you reword it? Um, if you are working on that, like you still have to have um, some sort of core knowledge to be able to produce. Like the more you know, the more you'll be able to produce from this stuff. It's not like you could give uh, ChatGPT to a five-year-old and be like, all right, go solve world hunger. They might be able to type some things in there or talk to it mm -hmm. and ask things, but it, their creativity is vast but their knowledge is so small. And so you still need to have the knowledge to be able to kind of push it to, you know, for it to think deeper or more critically, right? Like mm. it's only, it is still kind of limited by us. We haven't made it run on its own just yet. Um, yeah. So, so, so I have a good idea. Cause I know we wanted this kind of be a bigger topic and I feel like this could really go like, I want to, like, kind of apply this to all of our making things. So why don't we do a challenge? And because I have a hard stop, unfortunately. But yeah. why don't we do a challenge before our next podcast where we all use ChatGPT in some type of making fashion. We don't yeah. tell each other. We come back and we explain how we used it. Did we actually make something from it? Whatever it is. And we'll come back and say, this is how I use ChatGPT in a different making way. And I'm really curious to see. I feel like all of our brains work in different enough ways that they're going to be, like, so completely different at the end of the day. That sounds like a like a fun little challenge. What do you guys think? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, this this could be pretty great or pretty bad, <laughs> but it'll be fun. <laughs> One way or the other, right? Yeah. Awesome. I like okay. That All right. Well, I'm sorry. Sorry, got to cut today short, guys. But, you know, quick quick and fun one at least. And, yeah. you know, hope we can do it again in two weeks if that works for you guys. Yes, sir. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. All right. All right. See, guys, you guys, you All right. See you then. See you.